From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplug Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for March 18th, 2010 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by Kathy Whirling, Walter Eccles, Teresa Eccles, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Back in the peanut gallery, Leah Zanola and her husband, David Zanola. Hey, Zanolas. Hey, Zanolas. Hey. Isn't that what the thing they do make the ice with? Zamboni. Zamboni, sorry. You were kind of close, Kevin. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, glad you could join us. Just want to remind all of you that we are now rotating our email shows, doing them every two weeks, and uh, every other week we are doing our Disboard show, which was uh, quite well received. Uh, got a lot of great comments on that show uh, from last week. We did our first one last week, and everyone seemed to. Seem to really enjoy it, so I'm looking forward to participating in the next one. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I hope. I hope it's as good as the first one. Boy, I just the way they're talking about it, it's like okay. It was all very timely, very relevant. It was nice. Yeah. Now, if you have a question about an upcoming trip or something on our site or something about the show that you'd like to ask us, you can email us at podcast at wdwinfo.com. or if you prefer, you can send us a voicemail toll free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. One eight seven seven three one zero nine six six two, local number four zero seven five seven four five zero nine three, and if you are an iPhone user, you can always use the recording app that comes with every iPhone and uh, record your question that way and email email it to us. And quali- sound quality on those is great. Uh, you can also record the uh, record your question via your PC and send it to us. Uh, those are the ones we tend to prefer because they are of a better sound quality than the voicemails. But we'll still listen to your voicemails and play it if we we like it. It's just that simple. So if we read your email or play your voicemail on the show, we will send you your choice of a Diz Unplugged t-shirt or a pin and lanyard. And then once a month, we randomly select one person to pick a number on our prize matron, numbered 1 through 50, each number associated with a different prize you can win all sorts of cool stuff we're about to shuffle it up again so i don't want to say what's on there because we're still deciding what prizes to add into it and change it up a little bit but we do all sorts of cool things we give away gift certificates we give away tours at disney world we've given away podcast cruises we've given away trips i've been asked to ask you to put a kindle on there yeah we could do that you can do a kindle i think a if you're here <clears throat> next time you come to the parks, yes, Teresa, you can have a day with Max the intern to help you and carry your okay, stuff on the park. Pimping the child out. <laughs> we draw the line somewhere. It's really, really over you know, the line. Carry your stuff. He's not even my son, and I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> I think it's illegal to let you win children. Oh. Yeah, I think yeah, someone might have something. This to is say a about Cambodia, that. Teresa. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I have a way to get him out of the house. Have some fun. I'm taking them to Europe. Well, what more do you want? Really. <laughs> So, all right, with Teresa now done selling her children into slavery, uh, we're going to go ahead and start with our first voicemail, which comes to us from Amy and James Leonard. Uh, For those of you that are friends with me on Facebook, 
you might know the name James Leonard. He's the man I perpetually pick on by saying, I'm in Disney World and James Leonard isn't. And uh, Amy and James wanted to give us a call after hearing Kevin's review of The Rose and Crown uh, to share their experience. And I have to say that James really steps up <laughs> in this voicemail and what can only be described as a tour de force review uh, of the restaurant. So here are the Leonards. Hi, podcast team. This is Amy. And Jimmy. Leonard. Um, we just wanted to call and uh, add on a little bit to Kevin's review from The Rose and Crown. Because uh, we were meaning to call for a while on this and we just never got around to it. And this was the perfect time. But in um, late 2008 uh, was when we tried out Rose and Crown for the first time. And we were really looking forward to it because we had never eaten there. And we've tried most of the other Disney restaurants. So I figured we'd give it a shot. Um, we had a reservation, I think it was around 7 o'clock. All I know is we got there really early, about a half hour early. Um, and we gave our name, and we expected to wait. We didn't expect at that time to be seated early. Uh, but while we were up there giving our name in, a group of people came up next to us, and while Jimmy was checking us in, they inquired about getting a table. And they were told it would be about a 45-minute wait, and there was a group of seven of them. So it was, it was pretty, it was raining that night. It wasn't pouring, but it was raining. And we were sitting on the curb across the way waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And about 20 minutes after our 7 o'clock reservation, I guess, I looked up and that table of seven was getting seated. Um, and we decided we were just going to wait a little bit longer because, uh, you know, maybe they had a big table available, not one for us, you know. Um, but long story short, we waited at least until about quarter to eight before we finally got seated. And that, that was frustrating anyway, watching people without reservations in a big group, no less, getting seated right away, and we were waiting. But um, that wasn't the worst of it. I ordered a glass of wine, and my wine came, and it had these little, I, they were like white, crispy spots on the glass. I have no idea what it was. It was all over the bottom of the glass and the side of the glass where I take a sip. So when the waiter came back, we told him, and he apologized and took the glass of wine and brought me back a different one, except when I went to take a sip, I noticed that the white crispy stuff was still on the bottom of the glass. So he didn't give me a new glass. He All he did was wipe off the stuff near Unreal. the lip of the glass. But, okay, choose your battles. We let it go. Um, at the time, the, the one of the entrees offered was steak and shrimp. And Jimmy doesn't eat shrimp. We don't eat seafood of any kind. Um, so he asked if it was possible, since they had bangers and mash, if he could get sausage instead of the shrimp and get steak and sausage. Uh, the response was, you know, oh, I'm not sure. Let me go ask in the kitchen. And he came back and informed us that he was sorry, but the kitchen couldn't do it. But if we wanted, we could order a side of sausage. So Jimmy said, okay. And the meal came out. And he had steak, regular portion of steak, no shrimp, and one little piece of sausage. One sausage link. As a matter of fact, we dubbed it the sad little sausage in honor of the sad little crab cake. Um, and they charged $3.99 for that. And the full price for the steak and shrimp entree, which Jimmy's, in Jimmy's case was strictly shrimp. I mean, strictly steak. Um, so needless to say, that was our last visit for a while. And especially after hearing this, we will not be back anytime soon. Um, so, Kevin, most times we do agree with you, and this time 
We definitely do. Uh, so everybody keep up the good work. Pete, glad to have you back. Um, and we will talk to you soon. See you on Podcast 2.0. Say bye, honey. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jimmy, that was a that was a blistering, blistering review. We're going to see Jimmy on Oprah for internet bullying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for calling in. and uh, Never drink out of a grass with, glass with white crispy stuff on the outside. Say, we call that's that battle. milk residue at our dried milk. You know, really? Got gets, crispies? Yeah. That's a battle I would have picked. Oh, no, you'd be bringing me a clean glass. I mean, that's... Yeah, I'm just... Uh, that's surprising. The whole thing. And then to charge them full price for an entree yeah. when they took part of it off and not... It's just amazing to me. Three ninety nine for a sausage. I mean, come on. In addition to the full price for the entree, but you know we've uh, we've also seen ever since your review, we've seen a couple of people post on the board similar experiences to what you had. Well, I keep somebody emailed me and they said I don't agree with your review. It's a great place to watch illuminations. <laughs> and I thought, well, I wasn't reviewing places to watch illuminations. <laughs> right. I was reviewing restaurants, and that kind of constitutes eating food. But. Um, I'm joking. It is a great place to watch Illuminations if you get one of those tables. I'm sorry. That's not enough reason to spend that much money on poorly prepared and overpriced food. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, especially not when there's such a great alternative right across the bridge. There was an interesting discussion. Being chefs de France. Exactly. There was an interesting discussion. That's also become something else. Um, One of our listeners who lives in Melbourne I can never pronounce her name on the board. But she said she had never eaten there, and because of that review, they went and had lunch there and had a great time. But getting back to the point of a Rose and Crown, one of the posters, I apologize, I didn't keep track of who it was, explained that those scotch eggs that I talked about, you used to be able to get them in the bar as like a bar food kind of thing. But for the same price, you got four. Unreal. Well, now you get one, and it's just... you know. You got to wonder. You got to wonder what, you know, how so, these decisions are made. But we noticed something else that I don't even know if we re- we talked about during the last review. We used to like the Rosen Crown. They had a couple of entrees that we liked. They had an appetizer that we loved. They had a a, a lamb and barley, barley soup. soup that was out of this world. We used to go there for that, and all of that's gone. And the menu has been dumbed down to the point of being blah and overpriced now so hey, so i remember a couple of years ago i took my mom there and uh it was it was all right it wasn't te- you know I, I never did cartwheels for their food but you know it wasn't it wasn't bad it sounds to me like they've made some either management changes or it's culinary the dining changes. plan as far as i'm concerned yeah it's the it, it was that whole that episode we went through where all of the menus kind of went poof, when the dining plan yeah. came in, and they took all the higher-priced entrees off. When, when did the dining plan start? Well, they, when they did free dining a couple of years ago. Free dining used to pop up once in a while, but then they were doing free dining every year. And there were all those discussions on the board about how to maximize free mm-hmm. dining. Everybody should order steak. Everybody right. should get the shrimp appetizer. Everybody should order the most expensive dessert. Well... In the very next round, those steaks were gone, those expensive desserts were gone, the shrimp appetizer was gone. So it was, you know, yeah, you, you got a great bargain for once, but they kind of ruined it for everybody else. Yeah, Disney, if, if, there, if, if there are any loopholes in anything, Disney will find them and close them quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, as quickly as our people will locate the loopholes, that's as, uh, how quickly Disney will, will shut them. But so. it's never, it, it, that never makes things better. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. All right. Who has an email they would like to read? Teresa. I do. I've been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks. I wanted to read it. 
It's a little wrinkle. You could have just held it. Okay, well, I want to make sure it didn't get away. On the February 18th email show, you were talking about putting your name on everything and then joked about putting it on your kids. I want to pass on a way you can. Last year, I took my oldest niece to Disney World, and my sister found temporary tattoos that you put on kids, or adults for that matter, that say, if lost, call, and you put your number on there. My niece was five years old at the time, so she could tell someone where the number was so that they made sure to put it on her shirt, or her shirt would cover it so it wouldn't turn up on any magical Disney photos you go down there hoping to take. With a younger child, you can put it where kids could see it. I saw on the site they now have ones that can put on kids that say what allergies they have. The website is www.safetytats.com. I love the show. Thanks for all you do. I prefer the iron-on ones. And this is from Lori <laughs> Slepsky, um, Jake Two on the boards. I went to the website, and it's really cool. They have um, all these different patterns you can pick out for... Um, I like the one that says, I'm allergic to temporary tattoos. Yeah, really? <laughs> seems a bit. But they have... Um, I have autism. Um, oh. I'm nonverbal. Please call. Things like that. And it does have wow. peanut allergies. And then they have some that were for older kids... Um, they're called the tween tattoos. Then it, it they have a, where you can put their number on there just so they can't in case they don't remember it or you know don't know they what to call pass out and, and they look a little well maybe and it, and it, it's just a little bit cooler looking if drunk if drunk really? call. so if you find a child unconscious you should undress them and that's right tattoos. and one um, I am diabetic I mean just things like that I mean it's, I think it's a cool idea and for nineteen ninety five you get a pack of them and they stay on till you want to take them off how many do you get in a pack. Um, I think it's um, they come in packs from thirty, sixty, ninety, or one hundred and twenty. So I'm assuming wow. the thirty pack would be nineteen ninety five. Wow! But if you had a young kid who was allergic to things like peanut peanuts, that's such a bad allergy. I mean, if you had that stuck on them somewhere, that that could be a game saver there. I was just going to say we have done those before with Jacob, and they stay on for almost a week. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they give you a special. We got them from a different website, but they give you a special little wipe to wipe it off. And I don't know how many we got, 10 or 15. And you could put in, like ours say, my name is Jacob. If I'm lost, please call. And then we put in David's cell phone number. Um, and he, we just put it under his short sleeve shirt so he knew if you know he was ever lost to lift up his, his sleeve and show the cast member. Well. And that's the other thing that we did. We always show him what the cast member name tags look like. So that he knows if he's ever lost, he needs to go to a cast member or a mom with other kids. Smart. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's a cool idea. And those tattoos, they are hard to come off. So it's not like they're going to be able to pick it off, you know. And nineteen ninety five for a pack of 30. I yeah. Mean. If you're using 30 tattoos, you're going way too much. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? But you could use it for, you know, just about anything. Yeah, for any anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Any public place, so. But I like the not so much the. I mean, the lost kid thing is cool, but I think the one with the allergies and the you know I'm nonverbal that one really stuck out at me because you know a child could wander off, could be 12 years old, but maybe they are nonverbal and. You know. I, I agree with you. My problem is unless you put it someplace where it's really visible, right? I mean, if yeah. you're hiding it under their shirt sleeve, if I, I think, found a little kid wandering around who didn't speak, I would never think to start looking under their clothes. I well, think you would only it? hide the ones with your phone number and stuff. If it right. was a kid you know, who couldn't speak or something, I think you'd put it in a more yeah, visible spot. It, yeah. And right. also, like Leah said, the, her child knows enough to go to somebody and say, look, here's my information. You know, you, you want to do that for a kid who would understand that that's what you want to do, show them. Right. I mean, he knows his name, but he can't memorize our cell phone numbers. Right. And luckily, right. A, a younger child is hopefully going to be in a stroller, 
you know, so they're not going to be separated from their parents unless they leave them in a bush or something. Did y'all read that story? I like it universally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my what happened? <laughs> okay, I saw it was on the, in the Sentinel, right? Twenty-nine-year-old man pushed his four-month-old baby in the stroller and hid them in the bushes at Universal while he went to look for his wife. Both How many drunk. hours? I was just going to say, weren't they drunk? Two they were hours. Both drunk. It was two hours. The kid was left alone, and they were both drunk. Oh. My head in, a, in bushes. Push the child in the bu- now, and they said it was near the parking lot. Where are there bushes near? That's the better than leaving him in the closed car. Uh, true, but yeah. still, was the kid okay? Yeah, but she was in a stroller. Come on, just push her around while you're looking the, for your the wife. The kid had a te- temporary tattoo that said, "If found, don't return to my parents." <laughs> <laughs> if found, adopt me. Really, but the, no, the father's in Unreal. jail. And the child is in custody now, looking for yep. a relative. We've all made some bad decisions when drinking too much. Never that. Okay, Okay, yeah, yeah, but that that goes beyond. Yeah, I mean, like, never that bad. Mine might have been other things, but it wasn't that. Unreal. All right, well, thank you for that, Teresa. Who else has an email I'd like to read? I do. It's another Kevin is right email. (laughs) Oh, there's a shock. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Walter wasn't sure he said that out loud. Hi, Kevin. Just had to say thank you for the recommendation on the Stonewood Grill. Took customers there while we were in Orlando for a convention a few weeks ago, and once again, they did not disappoint. They were crazy busy, and yet service and the food were wonderful, so thank you. Uh, have you ever tried Timpano on Sand Lake? Read an interesting review, but did not have time to give it a try. Uh, thought you would know. Thanks for the food advice. See you on the cruise. Sue Coppola from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we have tried Timpano. We find Timpano very, very good for lunch and not so very good for dinner. Uh, Timpano has a, a rat pack sort of vibe to it. Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr. are playing very loudly. It's a very sleek restaurant, a lot of dark wood and um, polished uh Stainless steel and stuff like that. Very nice. It's very, very loud at night. I don't find the food as appealing at night as I do at lunch. Lunchtime, it's a little quieter. The restaurant's fairly empty. They do have a nice sitting area out back if you'd like to sit on overlooking Sand Lake. But as for Stonewood Grill, we think Stonewood Grill is a... It's wonderful. You guys took me there. They just recently opened for lunch, too. And they have an abbreviated version of their dinner menu at lunch. So, Wow. It's good to know. Someplace we frequent quite often. All right. Who else has an email I'd like to read? I have one. Walter. Okay. This one comes from Pat Neal. So this is an email directed to Walter and follow up to his request about health care treatment while in the Walt Disney World area. We are at Walt Disney World, February 14th through the 19th. On the 18th, my husband woke up around 1 a.m. with pains in the middle of his chest. Before going to bed that night, he had pain in his left shoulder. He thought he might. He thought it was heartburn and woke me up at 520 looking for Tums. Later that morning when we were discussing it, he mentioned that while he was up all the hours, he thought he was having a heart attack. And I pulled out my iPhone and started looking up the symptoms of a heart attack, learning that these were two of the symptoms, uh, pain in his shoulder and his chest. We decided we were going to go to either a hospital or a walk-in clinic. We went to our insurance company's website and found that CenterCare Florida Hospital was on our plan and close by. So we got ready and drove to the location right outside Disney, uh, 12500 State Road 535. When arriving and describing his symptoms to the young lady at the front desk, she informed us that there was a two-hour wait, but if we wanted, we could go to one of the other locations and probably be seen quicker. She provided us with printed-out directions to two other locations about seven miles and phone numbers and suggested we call 
on how long their wait times were and ask if we could put our names on the waiting list. We did the same and called the location in Kissimmee and was told that they had about an hour wait. When we arrived, we filled out the paperwork and only had to wait about five to uh, 10 to 15 minutes in the waiting room before going back to the examination room. There he was hooked up to an EKG machine. Luckily, my, heart, my husband's heart was fine, according to the EKG, and the doctor felt that my husband now has acid reflux and prescribed medication for that. Um, we were probably a little... We were there a little over an hour. The staff and the doctor were extremely nice. Since the facility was on our insurance plan, we had a copay of $50. I also wanted to mention that when we arrived to the Lake Buena Vista location, the waiting room was packed. And the young lady at the front desk mentioned that because they were the closest to Walt Disney and were so busy, so sometimes it may be better to go to another location. This is pretty good because I would have never thought going to a uh, center care that there would be a two-hour wait. And anything that has Florida Hospital's name on it has a two-hour wait. Um, this has been a, a, you know, I've unfortunately had more than my fair share of experiences with Florida Hospital, mostly for Walter. Um, the emergency rooms are always, I mean, when he had his, uh, what turned out to be his appendix, um, but uh, we got him in there. He looked, I mean, he looked awful. I mean, he was sick. He, there was something really wrong with him. They checked him in sat him down, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited. And I went up to the woman and said, okay, he's in a lot of pain here. How long is this going to be? And she said, well, the woman before you has been here for six hours. And I said, well, I said, I said, I need you to bring a nurse over, take the IV out of his arm, and I've got to take him someplace to get seen because I think he's going to die in your waiting room. I don't know what's wrong with him. And the minute I said that, he was the next one in. And... Uh, once you get past that, they're amazing. Florida Hospital, really, very, 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 very good um, in, in terms of their staff, their training, their facilities. Really, very good. The one, the Centric Care the outside of Disney. Nice, yeah. Centric Care outside of Disney. That is literally as you're coming out of Hotel Plaza Boulevard, uh, away from downtown Disney. You make the left. On 535, which is also a Popka Vineland Road. It's right across from the crossroads. Mm-hmm. And it's right there on your left uh, as you make that turn. That's where that one is located. And, yes, it is the closest one to property. And it is always a very, very long wait. I want to say something, though. If you think you have heart issues, don't go to Centric Care. Go to, a, go to a hospital. Go to a hospital. I was going to say that. And yeah. say, I'm having chest pains. That will get you to the front of the line. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was wondering, there shouldn't be a, a, a wait if you're saying, I have chest pains. Usually, like you said, you go yeah, to the Yeah, but if you're telling people front. that you had them in the middle of the night and you're not having them now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, that might have. Yeah. I thought that that's while you were reading it. And if he waited in all night, I can understand there not being that much of a rush. Yeah. Right. It if you still walk shouldn't in matter too much, though. I work in an emergency room. And if anybody comes in saying chest pain. That's usually the flag. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't normally end up being a heart attack, you know, but right. they normally take you in immediately. It's out of, you know, Or at least hook you up to an EKG and check mm-hmm. to see if you are, in fact, having a heart attack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, well, thank you for that, Walter. All right, our next voicemail comes to us from Tony, who wants us to weigh in on a debate currently going on on the Disboard's camping forum. So here is Tony. Hey, podcast crew. This is Tony Zarcone, MRZ Rich on the Disboard's. I wanted to bring your attention to an idea um, that was brought up on the Orlando Hotels and Attractions boards. Uh, the thread is called Non-Disney with EMH, Extra Magic Hours. 
Uh, the original poster innocently asked about other hotels where you can stay and have access to extra magic hour privileges. Um, they were told they can go to the Swan and Dolphin or the Hilton and have those privileges. Um, seemed innocent enough until another poster came on and said, well, you could stay at any cheap Disney hotel or off-site villa or timeshare and get EMH privileges by booking what they called, and I shudder at the thought of this, they called it a throwaway, cheap campsite reservation at Fort Wilderness. This kind of got my blood boiling, and um, I hate even mentioning it on Diz Unplugged because I don't want to give anybody else this idea. Apparently, um, the book Disney on a Dime, this idea was brought up that by by booking a cheap, again, throwaway, I hate that word, campsite reservation, um, you can get extra magic hour privileges, free parking, you can book dining if you would like to get the dining plan, you can, you can book that, um, not free dining, paid for dining, but uh, all you got to do is check in, get your key to the roll cards at Fort Wilderness, and you've got all those privileges. Um, this discussion got rather lively, and by now it may even be a closed thread, because some people got very upset and started getting a little nasty. But what I wanted to hear was your guys' opinion on this. Uh, the pro-Fort Wilderness gang, and I'm one of them, knows that it's really, really hard to get one of these partial hookup reservations. These are for tent sites and pop-up campers. Those are usually the cheaper sites there, which go between $40 and $80, depending on the time of the year. Um, they are really hard to come by. There's only two loops at Fort Wilderness that have these sites. And since they've been refurbing Fort Wilderness and adding more of these big concrete slab sites for the big RVs, there are further and few between campsites where you could actually stake a tent into the ground. Um, it's really, they're really hard to come by. Reservations at Fort Wilderness open up 500 days in advance. And there are people for, for really busy, popular holiday weekends on the line on that day 500 trying to get these sites. Um, there are others who say, well, it's first come, first serve. And if I get the site and pay my money for it, I can do whatever I want with that site. Tough cheese if, if you're a tent camper who who can't get a site and tough tough nuggets if if you're the uh if it's the only way you could afford to come to disney is to stay at a site because i booked first and i got the site and it's my money and i can do whatever i want with that site i'd really like to hear your guys opinion and i actually thought about this a while ago as a as a segment idea for you guys is to take pro and co pro and con sides of an argument and kind of like the new show, The Marriage Ref, uh, talk about it. And then one of you, maybe Pete or John, could have the final say and say, yes, this is a good idea. No, this is a bad idea. You could do it with all kinds of hot button issues, um, like refillable mugs and whether or not you should bring food into the parks. And um, I just thought that it would be kind of cool. But I would especially like to hear your opinion on this on this argument in particular. Um it's, uh, like I said, I kind of 
I'm nervous even bringing it up because I don't want to give any other people this idea. But uh, I'd like to hear your opinions. Thanks. Have a good day. Again, this is Tony Zarcone, MRZ Rich on the Diz Boards. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you, uh, Tony, for calling in with that. And I, <coughs> you, that was a great idea for a segment. I like having the final word on things. I was just going to say, just because you have the <laughs> well, final word doesn't we'll mean it, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> we'll, call, we'll call it convince me. <laughs> convince me. I read this. And we'll make, we'll make uh, uh, Kathy and, and Kevin wrestle it out. Oh, yeah. I want to be, <laughs> instead of Judge Judy, I want to be Judge Johnny. Judge <laughs> Johnny. Um, all right. Uh, I'm sure there'll be all sorts of opinions about this. Uh, my personal opinion is that anything like this first of all it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me if you're staying off site if you're staying off site even at you know one of the lesser expensive locations you're still spending about 60 or 70 dollars a night if you're going to spend another 40 or 50 on a campsite why not just stay at the value a value resort or 80 if she said this is uh, the person was going to travel at at a busy time of year hang on this was somebody who was going to be rent. They were talking about renting a house. So they weren't paying 60 or $80 a night. What they were looking for was more time in the park. And there's actually more to this thread. One of our podcast listeners went over and posted on it and got kind of torn apart. As a matter of fact, there's one person on that thread who has threatened that if he finds people doing that, he would go to those campsites and destroy their hookups. So when they went to check out, they would have to pay for it, causing about $3,000 worth of damage. Oh, my. So this turned into, this wasn't a discussion. This was a crucifixion. Yeah. Lynching. This was, uh, that's a better word for it. I apologize. I use the word crucifixion. This was uh, a lynching. This was an assassination. All they did was ask, have you ever heard of this? And these people became rabid. I will say this, too, is this isn't something that someone came up with. This is was in a Disney guidebook right. that tells people how to save money. And so it's not did, like, ooh, this came to the top of my head. I'm going to do this. And this wasn't a discussion. This wasn't a rational discussion. They used the words like screwed and shafted, and I, I can't even use the other words. Well, okay, beyond the hyperbole, uh, boiling it down to whether or not it's right or wrong, uh, technically... Technically speaking, they're not doing anything wrong. Um, Disney has okayed this. If they if they get the reservation, uh, you know, on a you know a moral level or an ethical level, it, you know, it, that's certainly open to discussion. But in terms of, you know, are they bypassing any rules? No, they're really not. If they're paying for that campsite, you know, however crappy it may be, uh, if they're paying for the campsite, then yeah, that's they got it. They're paying for it. They're choosing not to put a tent on it and stay off site. And it's worth eighty dollars a night or fifty dollars a night or whatever it is to them. I, you know, there's nothing that can be done to stop it. You can't. You know, Disney can't get into the practice of policing things at that level. It's just not possible. How can you prove? Do it? I think it's ethical? Yeah. Do I think it's the right thing to do? Absolutely not. I do not. Uh, those are premium uh, campsites and they are coveted and there are a lot of people who as we you know as we have mentioned multiple times on the show Fort Wilderness is a very unique resort in the Disney stratosphere of resorts it is it has a, a, a following in a community 
that is very rare. And these people are passionate. So I understand why the passions run high. I certainly don't condone what's gone on in that threat. I really don't. Uh, but that being said... Taking just, just the issue of itself. T- right. The issue itself and the, you know, stripping out the hyperbole, you know, uh, te- on a technical level, no, it's not wrong. Um, on an ethical level, I think it is. A, a, a similar situation. People on cruise ships want to go to Atlantis to use the pool. That's a very that's something people want to do. It's very expensive to rent a room at Atlantis. Atlantis has suggested that people rent rooms at a lower priced property adjacent to their resort as a day visitor. You actually get a key to the room. You don't even go in the room. But that room is no longer available to an actual guest. But you're talking about a limited number of campsites versus an entire resort. I think yeah. Disney, if they wanted to, could tighten that up. Oh, here's, here's something that I don't, again, going back to the whole premium pass thing. Why hasn't anybody figured out? Apparently, we have a price point for extra magic hours. Apparently, $40 a night is something that someone's willing to pay. Then what makes them exclusive to a resort guest? Well, again, here, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about here's a chance for Disney marketing to make some money. Here's 40, 40 bucks a night. You get extra magic hours, and you get the chance to book dining for more money. My feeling is if you got called up and got the reservation and Disney rented it to you, it was available. It's on a first-come, first-served it basis. Is. If it's If it's something that you feel so strongly about that you want that reservation, it's like a concert ticket. There's a limited number of seats. The first person in line gets the ticket. We talk or about anything. This. It's a... It's a you're it's the first commodity. one to get that thing. That's yeah. right. We also talk about this. We talk about this quite often. People have their own moral bottom. That there are things that you will do, especially on our boards. Mm-hmm. Well, but I mean, even in, in general in life, people have things that they feel that are um, they'll do that is still okay, where someone else might look at it and not be okay. Um. I'm trying to think of a good example. Buying a concert ticket and selling it on eBay? That, that's one, but that's a little bit higher, higher up the, arc, uh, uh, the um, higher ladder. Let's say you, know, you go to a drive through window at, at a fast food place, and they accidentally give you one extra thing of fries. People might say, well, that's okay. They gave it to me. Or someone might say, no, you're stealing. So all of this, we all have our moral bottoms of what becomes the point at which this is no longer right. And I think people have to look at that. Is this the point at which you think this is not the right thing to do? Then you should act accordingly. Yeah, I mean, my personal feeling is that if you want the benefits of staying on property, then stay on property. Uh, you know, I, I get that, you know, you want extra magic hours, but those are things that are, are reserved for resort guests. And well, how many people go to the the trouble of doing this? I mean, I wonder just how many people would actually well, do this you know, for, the, for the extra hour. <laughs> I, I question... I question the the ethics of this being published in a book. Oh yeah, um, I do too. you know I you know it's it's uh, you know and the problem is is that so many books have been published on on Disney and how to get around Disney and how to save money at Disney that they're scraping the bottom of the barrel now, in my opinion, in order to come up with things. Now I haven't read Disney on a dime. I'm not reviewing Disney on a dime. I don't even know for a fact that this is in Disney on a dime. But if it is, it's a pretty crappy thing to put in your book. But well, no. I th- Go ahead. I was going to say, I think Disney could tighten this up very easily. And maybe they'd, they'd lose some things. But if you showed up at the gate at Fort Wilderness and you're not in an RV or you can't show them that you have a tent, 
I think it would be very easy. And, and yes, now that's a disposable type of a thing that now you've paid and somebody else. But once the word got out that Disney was tightening this up, you know, when you fill out the registration, what kind of camping equipment do you have? I think Disney should do something Put a like three-night minimum on it. Yeah. What about um, the fact that everything that Disney does, people will find a loophole? Yeah. So now you have yeah. to have equipment. Well, it's worth it for me to go out and buy a $100 tent and $40 a night to have this campsite. People or just will always, get a room. Well, you know, it's... People will always try to find that angle. But while we're discussing the ethics of this, let's discuss the ethics of some of the responses. That's the problem I have. Okay. Um, you know... Uh, Unfortunately, you know, it's not just our boards. It's any discussion board anywhere on the Internet. This goes on. Uh, Everybody's got a steel set when they're sitting at home hiding behind their screen name and they say all this stuff. But when you get them face to face, they're not quite so uh, they're not quite so uh, uh, what's the appropriate word I want to use? Not as much bravado as. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 equally. uh, it's equally as unethical and indecent to say some of the things that have been said on this thread to attack people uh, that are really asking an innocent question. They're not, you know, promoting one thing or another. They're asking a question about it, and rather than you know having a considered discussion, it turns into this. Right. I think threatening to destroy somebody else's property so that they would have or the sub Disney property so that the person who rented this tent site would learn what it really cost. I, I think then I'm you sorry, I think wrong. I think then you step over the line into mentally imbalanced to even threaten that. I think there's something wrong with you. And uh it, it's 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 like it's it's ridiculous, folks. This is Disney and it's a discussion board. Get a grip. Get a grip. What is this about? Why does this have to go on? Either, seemingly all adults here. Can can people just, I don't know, can they edit themselves a little bit before they type something? Can they, you know, it, it's fine to be, you know, to be passionate about something. It's fine to express that passion. But to take it to the level that I, I know one of our podcast listeners uh, reported back on the uh, on the boards about, about a, a private message she was sent. Um I mean, it was just some of this stuff is just unbelievable. Yeah, I got a, I got a private message that said, "Is this allowed?" And I think to myself, "No, it's really not." So um, I, I've got to be honest. It, it's uh, you know, there's an ethical discussion to be had here on both sides of this. Um, as I said, is it ethical to uh, do what this book is suggesting allegedly? Uh, no, in my opinion, it's not. In my opinion, but my those are my ethics. Uh, what that is for somebody else, as John said, everybody has a different moral bottom. But a lot more clearly to me are the ethics behind some of these attacks that went on in that threat. That's a lot clearer to me that that is not ethical and that's not a decent way to conduct yourself in any kind of public forum. And I think some of the people on that threat ought to be ashamed of themselves. In fact, I think some of the people on that threat ought to be banned, but that's not my judgment call anymore. But... You know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's it goes it, it's that's, that that sort of swings both ways. Also, let's let's bottom line it here. Extra magic hours stink. I'm sorry. I know people love them, and I know they think it's a great thing. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're that great of a perk to have in the parks. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, 
David has a comment to make. He's got his hand up. The Magic Kingdom was open the other night until 3 a.m., and some of my students were there, and there was two-hour waits for Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain. The only extra magic hours that we have found valuable as a class, and I've asked my students, is the morning. Right. Because the morning, Mm -hmm. people are more likely and more willing to stay out late than they are to get up early. That's true. And so that first hour and a half in a park, we get through tons of stuff. But when we stayed late, we rode TTA two times, Haunted Mansion once, Pirates, and we had to sit through the Monsters Laugh Floor Comedy Club because nothing else was under an hour and a half, two hour wait. That's crazy. It just wasn't worth, I would have not paid $40 a night to do that. And And during the busiest times of year, the extra magic hours in the morning, then create a larger crowd during the day because people are saying, okay, now I'm here, I've gotten here early, I'm going to stay. So the crowds become larger during the day and parks become unmanageable. Especially with having to park hop because now if you don't want to pay the $50 to park hop, you go to the park that has extra magic hours and you're there the entire day. day. Just my opinion on extra magic hours. but Interesting discussion. Thank you, Tony, for that voicemail. Who has an email they'd like to read? I have one. A little bit lighter, hopefully. Hi, podcast crew. I've been listening to you guys and girls for the last year. It's a great thing to listen to as I drive back and forth from work. To my question, the items that are in Lost and Found, how long are they kept at Disney? And when time is up, where do they go? Thanks a lot, Tom Krog. And he's NY Giants fan on the boards. This is actually one that uh, Julie did some research on and she left for me to answer. So I get it easy one. She found out that items are kept in Lost and Found anywhere from 7 to 30 days depending on what it is and how valuable. If it's not claimed it goes to what's called the cast connection or property control. And what this is is a way for Disney to sell the things they find in Lost and Found to cast members dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. So you go to property control and you find just, you find cameras for like $2 and Hats and gloves Load, for 50 cents. Loads of those umbrella strollers. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Go see if Stella's a of, shoes are there. A lot of times what will happen with those umbrella strollers is they weren't lost. Right, a lot they of just abandoned They're just left the because they can't get back on the plane with right. them. How do they decide what gets seven days and what gets 30 days? She didn't put that in here, but it seems to me like if it's more valuable, they're going to hold on to it a little bit longer. And it also depends how much room they have in lost and found. Right. I happen to know a cast member, no names, who worked out in California. And when they would come here, they would go to property control, buy a stroller just to push their stuff around. Mm -hmm. Instead of carrying a backpack, a couple of people would throw their backpacks in and they would take turns pushing the umbrella stroller because they would sell them for a dollar. That's something that we've Mm -hmm. missed on this trip. We don't have our kids, so we have no stroller to push, so we have to carry everything. Bummer. (laughs) So I feel about Max. You could have rented, have a, have Max with could have rented a campsite and left it there. I should have rented Max. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Leah? I said I should have rented Max. Well, I apparently that's bad, not allowed. I got some bad news for you. I rented a hotel room one time just to put our stuff in and shower. I know I'm a bad person. I took it away from somebody who really could have used it. Well, I was going to say, I mean, a little, a little bit different with the hotel room. I think you know, I, you know. There's so few of these campsites. I mean, they really are at a premium. And, and on the weekends, those fill up. You can tell there are some families that and, would be the only way. And I can fill. understand. This discussion was about Fourth of July weekend. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. The other thing I want to point out, I forgot to mention last time, she said these campsites open up 500 days in advance. All Walt Disney World Resort rooms become available for, for sale 500 days in advance. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, you 
if it's not a published rate for the year, you book at the current rate, and that price could change when Disney publishes their rates. For example, you're booking into 2011. You have to wait for them to announce their I rates. Believe the it's not occup- just the campsites. I believe the occupancy rate on a campsite is also higher than a hotel room. Meaning if you book a campsite, I don't know what it is. You might be able to accommodate eight people on a campsite so that you would get eight extra magic options, wristbands. Whereas a hotel room, you might only get four. Right. Wow. Right. So, all right. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I do. This is from Chris Heinrichs. Hi, Kathy. Now that I can't see. I know after countless trips to... Disney, there are still attractions that I have never experienced for one reason or another. I was wondering if you guys have attractions, any attractions, shows, or restaurants that you have always wanted to see or do, but have not had the opportunity to do so. What are they? I haven't had uh, dinner at Narcoosie's yet. We keep trying and missing. We haven't made it yet. <gasps> yeah, there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of restaurants I haven't tried yet. I'm I've never been Cal- to Tom Sawyer Island. I've done that. Like uh, California really? Grill would be fun. Never been there. Well, it's cute. I just did that last year. I never did those keelboat things either. No, those I won't do. I'm not going to. I'm not that paddling hard. anything. Yeah. Teresa. Well, you're all going to think I'm lame, well, but don't be sheepish. Um, Go ahead. I have Speak never been louder. on. I've never been on Soren here because the line's always too long every time I go. Fast pass, dear. Fast pass. Well, here's a, a well with me, since we live here and I know I can come back another day, I usually don't stay long enough to get to the fast pass time that my my me. hint is don't be there when the park opens, but go about forty five minutes afterwards because everybody you know when the park opens, everybody heads for Soren. If you wait about forty five minutes or so, it's almost like a walk on. Except when it's like spring break or Christmas. But that's what I do. And I've actually managed to go like two or three times really? before the crowds start to come really? back again. Why didn't you tell me that 18 months ago? You didn't ask. Now oh. everybody's going to wait 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> really? going to push that time off. And yeah, yeah really. It again. Kathy, so tell me after. <laughs> I've never been on a rock and roller coaster either. Oh, but is the question, I what won't. have you never done that, that you, you want to do? Yeah. Oh. I say this. I've never been to Fantasmic. Dave says we went on our honeymoon, but I don't believe him because I don't remember it. <laughs> um, but now it's only two nights a week, and I don't want to wait in line for an hour and a half or two hours. It's a little so, crazy, yeah. Yeah. It's a little crazy. And honestly, the one here pales in comparison so much to the one in California. Honestly, it's California's so much better. Do they still do that um, chef's table or whatever at Victoria and Albert's? Yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. That would be something that would be like that was one of the first of the things Walter and I did after we met. He wanted to impress me. He did. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I got it. I, <laughs> amazingly enough, I got that reservation on like a week's notice. Wow. Which you I, is almost unheard of. Yeah, I was reading the other day how hard it is for people to get that uh, reservation. Very hard. Yeah, we got that, but we can't get Narcoosies. But anyway. We'll get there. Do you want me to get your reservation at Narcoosies? <laughs> no. No, I Walter, to Walter has to keep trying. Walter has to keep trying until he task. gets it. Are you calling the right number? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything at Disney I haven't done that I don't want to do. Wow. That you want to do. That I want to do. Yeah. You know what I meant. So I haven't I done that I don't want to do. <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't think of anything. 
When we go, we try and... I want to do Dine with an Imagineer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Now I would like to do I that. I want to do that. Oh, I know um, something else. That little I thing. did. <laughs> we dined with the Imagineer. <laughs> that Marty little thing Spar. where you go in and... I'm sorry. I'm saying that little thing. You go in and you um, draw the little pictures. Oh, the little, okay. I, I want to do that. I want to do that. The same. animation. Yeah. The little pictures? We did that in California. Yeah. Yeah, Kim. When we go to the parks, we try... We've, every once in a while, we'll go and try and do things either that we haven't done before or... That we haven't done in a long time. Because you do, every once in a while, you do get a little jaded. And you walk by and you think, oh, I'll catch that next time. Yeah. Uh, doing something like going into um, into the back and watching the, the animated movies in uh, Exposition Hall or Ex- Exposition Hall. I haven't done that in a long time. So I did that fairly recently. That was inter- It sort of like brings you back to your roots. Right. I wish they would put the Walt Disney story back there, but yeah, that's just me. All right. Well, thank you for that, uh, Kathy. And who else has an email they'd like to read? I do. Dear podcast team, I am just wondering if there are any value or moderate resorts that have concierge lounges. My family and I are planning a trip and want to stay on property but want their, uh, a free breakfast, even if we pay a little bit more. I'm 11 and my sister is 9. Any help would be appreciated. Bless your heart. That's a cute, Bless your heart. cute question, isn't it? Really, it is. Uh, unfortunately, no. The moderate and value resorts uh, do not have... Doesn't uh, Coronado Springs have a, a business concierge? I apologize. I'm going to jump back in here. This is from Jack Zagadio. Okay. Um, I, I'm... I'm I'm not, I'm not sure. They might. They, they, they might. Um, they do. He's going to be staying. He's not a business. But, I mean, they have a... Traveler. You know how they, when they did the queen beds, I thought they put in a concierge area. I don't want to say that it's a lounge, but they did something concierge. At- That's called the ice machine. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did something different at Coronado. No, I'm, not, uh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Sounds like something you should only- check out, Kathy. <laughs> the only concierge lounges I'm aware of are, are all the deluxe uh, resorts. And, uh, you know, you're going to be looking at a, a price of about anywhere from 100 to $200 more, and sometimes, depending on the time of year, even more uh, per night in addition to the standard room rate uh, for that. I mean, it's not unusual for a Magic Kingdom club or a Magic Kingdom view uh, in the poly concierge uh, to run seven eight hundred dollars a night for a standard room, Jack, tell your mom and dad to stop at the grocery store and get some of those little individual boxes of cereal and some bananas. Well, and obviously, if Jack is thinking about concierge, he's aiming a little higher <laughs> than Jimmy Dean than and Jimmy, a microwave. Yeah, than than, than Fruit Loops. Uh, but unfortunately, no, there 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 is no option there. Uh, there is, you know, for whatever it's worth, Buena Vista Sweets. I'll I'll use this to plug Buena Vista Sweets. Uh, which we do have a business relationship, just in the interest of full disclosure. Um, those suites are going, for, those are two-room suites, really nice, $88 a night, and it includes a full breakfast for every person buffet. in the party. Big, giant nice, breakfast. Nice, really nice buffet rooms breakfast. Are gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, so, but outside, you know, outside of something like that, no, on Disney property. We have a page on the site it's, um, that lists all the concierge lounges. It tells where they're at and what time and all the information about every single one of them, what they have. So, I heard a rumor recently that they're all going to be standardized. 
Yeah, you yeah, know. Oh, 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 no, oh, 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 we went into the, uh, the the gift shop at, at Coronado Springs or at uh, Caribbean Beach, and I said to Walter, "I said I think what I want to do is for each one of these reviews I do, want to get either a T-shirt or a coffee mug from the resort." So I'm looking around and I really couldn't find them. And I said to uh, this guy, I said to one of the cast members who worked there, um, "Do you have any any T-shirts?" And he goes, "Everything we have is over on this rack. It's all on clearance." And they only had like small sizes, kid sizes. Two colors. Two colors. And I said, you know, you have nothing else. He's like, it's all being discontinued. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, they're doing away with all resort-specific merchandise. Mm -hmm. I hate that. Now, another woman told us something different. She said there was two hotels that they were doing it away with. Um, Yeah, there was some conflicting information, which is why um, um, I haven't been able to confirm this as a fact yet. Um. But what one, what one woman had said to us was that what they're doing is they're they're phasing it out to see how it goes and what the guest reaction is. Um, again, when they do this stuff, they're doing it for one reason and one reason alone. They the more they can buy something in bulk, the less they pay for it. Right, and they slap Disneyland's name on it also. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yes. And of course, it doesn't mean that it costs us less. They keep raising the prices on us while they're lowering the prices for themselves and the quality. And the quality. So, and this you have to thank. You know, originally, uh, you know, we blamed this on uh, uh, Jay Rasulo, who was uh, the chairman of Disney Parks and Resorts up until recently when he switched jobs with Tom Staggs, who was the chief financial officer for Disney, and now those two have switched jobs. And, apparently, you know, I was kind of hoping against hope that Tom Staggs would be a little bit more enlightened than Jay Rasulo was, but he's not, and he's just continuing... Assuming this is true, continuing the same policy, the thought because any hotel you go into anywhere in the world, you can buy much, a mug. You can buy a mug or a T-shirt or with a that shot hotel class. Mm-hmm. with that hotel on it. And and these brainiacs maybe may may I stress the word may be moving in a direction where that will not be possible at Disney World. Can you imagine? Can you imagine not being able to go to your favorite resort and get a t-shirt or a coffee mug with that resort? Eventually, it's going to boil down to the fact that you can buy a Walt Disney World Disneyland t-shirt. Period. If they can get away with it, sure. One, you're going to have a choice. You can buy it or not. I just, you know, people go to resorts because they have an affinity for them. People go on vacation, and part of the idea of going on vacation is this is where I stayed. Right. This is a, a memento of our vacation and what we did. You're many, taking that away from people. How many times have we heard, what's a unique souvenir I can get at Disney? Something that not everybody else is going out and buying. No, the few and Car- far between. Not at Caribbean Beach. Because all the glasses they had, they were like 11 bucks. They're marked down to $2. They're just trying to get rid of it. Yeah, they were literally all the, all the logo merchandise was on clearance. Was on clearance. It was like on fire sale clearance. Okay, so that says that the, the merchandise isn't being purchased. If they're putting it on sale and they're putting it on clearance, no, they're just getting rid of what they've got because they're not replacing it. They want to get it out of the store to get it out fast. Um, right. To you know, it just it, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind completely. 
So, but that's a that's a complete divergence from Jack's question. I hope I answered your question, Jack. And but what I was saying is, I ha- I heard the rumor that all concierge lounges are going to be standardized yes. across all resorts. Yep. See, what's the point of that? Well, that, not only is what's the point of that, it makes no sense. You have these deluxe resorts with restaurants. These restaurants are going to provide you with food. Right. So what are you going to do? Go to a central location and have the food made there? Yes, they're going to dumb it down. That's you so know, stupid. It makes you crazy. It makes you crazy. It's, 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 it's insane. And again, this is just part of the ruining of Disney, as far as I'm concerned, in, in, these, in these areas. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think these... Uh, well, I'm not going to go off on another tangent. I've gone on too many rants already in this these last two shows so i will i will leave it alone but thank you for uh, for that email kevin thank you for writing in jack who else has an email they'd like to read i do (laughs) it's an email show folks everybody's (laughs) supposed to come with two or three i've got two or three here i'm ready okay this comes from cheryl delackey hi my name is cheryl delackey see delackey 2003 on the boards i have a silly question in december my husband and i will be coming to disney for nine days at the parks before going on podcast cruise 2.0 i have never been in disney before and i was wondering about the teacups i've always wanted to ride them but i do suffer from motion sickness and will be taking ginger tabs or something okay no (laughs) that's the wrong ride for you can you ride the teacups without making them spin or at least making them spin slower than the commercial show. Those people look like maniacs. I've already told my husband that we're going on them no matter what, even if I need a barf bag. I'm a longtime listener, and I love the show. I'm looking forward to the new format also with the discussion boards and email shows. Keep up the fabulous work, and see you all on Podcast Trick Cruise. Cheryl, you can. From my own experience, I've been on the teacups. I do not like to spin crazily because it usually makes me throw up or pass out. So I sit quietly in my teacup and just watch the world slowly go by, and I love it. So now they do spin around because they are on a turntable. They are spinning, but, but you're not spinning within cup. a spin, right. you know. Which you know, Grace gets you in there, and I didn't yeah. know that, and she had me like. If you go with somebody chubby whose belly touches the spinning wheel in the middle, you don't spin at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but no, you can't keep it from spinning. I know from experience. Yeah, you control how fast your individual teacup spins. I have a feeling she's going to be so disappointed. She's so looking forward to going on the teacups. That's what I'm thinking. No I'm like, what. you haven't done a lot. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I think her point is, and this is just my the way I'm reading this. It's the classic. You go to Disney. You want to see. You want to see mm-hmm. and ride Dumbo, whether you like it or not. You're going to do it because it's classic and the teacups too. Nope. I have another secret. Never did either one. I've never ridden Dumbo either. No, no. I've been no desire to. Yeah, when you get on there, it's like, oh my god, I'm at Disneyland. I would think, oh my god, I'm a adult and I'm on Disneyland. No Disneyland or Disney. (laughs) First time I did it was Disneyland. I rode that rocket in Tomorrowland. Yeah, without a safety without a safety belt, and was sure I was going to be pitched out and thrown across (laughs) the park. (laughs) I didn't need to ride Dumbo, but no, Cheryl, do it. You'll love it. All right. Well, thank you for that, Teresa. Our next voicemail comes to us from Mike in Pennsylvania, who has some comments about uh, his travels with some diabetic members of his family. So here is Mike. Hey, podcast team. This is Mike from Pennsylvania. I wanted to say thank you for all you guys do. The podcast certainly is uh, the highlight of my commute to and from work each week. wanted to call after hearing Pete's uh, recent experience as a newly diagnosed diabetic. Uh, enjoying a piece of cheesecake made from Splenda. 
uh, got me thinking about my family's own experience uh, with this issue at Walt Disney World. Uh, we go there about once, twice a year. My wife is diabetic, so uh, we do have some challenges there when we uh, dine at the table service restaurants. Just wanted to comment that we found a lot of variability from restaurant to restaurant in terms of the uh, chef's ability to accommodate diabetics as well as their willingness to do so, especially when it comes to desserts. There are some experiences we've had that sound uh, not unlike what Pete experienced, where the chef really goes out of their way to provide an alternative that is equal to uh, that of um, other dessert offerings. Uh, Our experience tends to uh, be positive at Ohana's, where the chef there really makes it a point to uh, provide a special dessert for my wife each and every time we're there. And it's really very meaningful and quite a treat for her, as uh, that's not something she can typically enjoy. Uh, we've also had chefs who have simply uh, presented her with a prepackaged uh, brownie and put it on her plate and called it a day. Uh, so, certainly a lot of variability there. And I would be curious to hear what Pete's experience is as he moves forward and uh, goes to other restaurants in terms of what his experience is. Uh, Certainly one would hope with the prices we're paying that uh, there might be a few better accommodations, especially with the availability of Splenda. Anyway, thanks so much for all you do. Just thought I'd share our experience. He cut off early, but thank you, Mike. I appreciate the phone call. And, uh, yeah, like I said, so far, so good. I mean, every place I've gone, it's only been a few, few restaurants, but every place I've gone on property to eat, they're, they've been incredibly accommodating. Um, and, you know, I did get the, the sugar-free brownie. Uh, that was the only sugar-free thing they had at Caribbean Beach. But if you're in a food court, that's kind of what you would expect. Yeah, I mean, I kind of expect that. Yeah. So, And it was a good brownie. It was I mean, very good. i got to say. I, mean, I, w- I would have it. that again. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would have no trouble eating that. Um, I didn't have any trouble eating that. I know David has some, some real experience with this. He's a, you're a type 1 diabetic. Yes, I've been a type 1 diabetic for a little over 26 years. Um, and I'm on an insulin pump, so it's a little more flexibility with food. But one thing that's always confusing is the difference between no sugar added and literally sugar-free. Uh, one thing that I always tell Leah when we eat breakfast is sugar-free syrup is not technically sugar-free. Sugar alcohol. Right. There, there is stuff in there, you know, if you count grams of carbs, which is how I manage what I eat. A tablespoon of, of uh, sugar-free syrup technically has one gram of carb or, or you know one one exchange of carbohydrates in it that ends up converting into sugar in my blood. And same thing if you get a dessert that's no sugar added, but it's loaded with fruit. You know the restaurant will say no sugar added, but you have to realize yes they didn't add anything to it, but there is more fruit there. I've never had problems either counter service or table service, and have been traveling here for you know fifteen twenty years. Yeah, this is very accommodating. Like I mentioned, we mentioned in the discussion show. We were uh, had dinner at Ohana recently, uh, last week, and the chef, uh, that was a delicious uh, dessert he, he put together for us. I thought it was really nice. It was pretty, too. It was. Very it was. Nice. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's like anything else. You know, a chef's creativity uh, is what it comes down to. And uh, But I'll tell you, that cheesecake, that man could have made me a whole cheesecake of that and you would never know the difference you I tried nev- that too the other night cause Did you? I don't eat things with Splenda so I wanted to try it and see if I could because I can taste Splenda most of the time it was good and that fudge on the side unbelievable oh my wasn't goodness. that something yeah it was amazing I love chocolate this was amazing and all made out of Splenda 
I asked him again. I called him back over and said... That's what I did. That's yeah. what he did. Yeah, because I wanted to make sure, that, especially with the fudge. I just was really surprised. Yeah, because I couldn't believe it. It was that good. Mm-hmm. Over at the Yachtsman, right? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Their pastry chef is a genius. Well, their chef, I think their chefs in general are geniuses, but you know, the pastry chef in particular to make a dessert like that, you know, that makes you feel so good that you know, a restaurant took that kind of time and that was that thoughtful about, you know, because my, my guess is, and David, you would be able to answer this better than I, uh, my guess is, is that most restaurants, sugar-free is either not done or an afterthought at best. Yeah, it almost seems as if it's uh, kind of when Leah did her experience with the with the gluten-free uh, Disney Impossible that it's almost to the point where there's always just one thing on the menu. This is what you can have if you want it. But when they will make you something special, and that deserted Ohana with the layered uh, you know, crisps and the apples in between it and everything was just phenomenal. And normally, you know, one of the knocks on sugar-free food for quite a long time has been... Yeah, it's sugar-free, but it tastes horrible. Not, that was not at all the case with anything I've had, at least dessert-wise, so, so far. So far in my very, 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 very limited experience, whatever I've had uh, has 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 been good, has really been good. And so I, uh, you know, I, I, I think Disney uh, overall so far, I think, does a great job considering... Uh, their diabetic customers and providing sugar-free alternatives and providing healthy alternatives. What's a big deal? There's a lot of diabetic people, so I mean, they they should be taking that into consideration. So well, I'm glad they're doing. You would that. think so, but Universal doesn't. Oh, we'll God. do that in the we'll, we'll discuss that in the Universal show at the end of the month. But uh, all right, to finish our show, I, I want to play this this voicemail we received uh, from Jeff and. Uh, he, he left what I, I think is hands down the most moving voicemail we have ever received. Teresa's crying already. No. Yeah. Well, I, I got to be honest. When I, I was now. at the Caribbean beach, when I when I listened to this, and I I had to get up and walk outside and get air because I mean I just had tears streaming down my face. So you're forewarned. This is a, a very moving email uh, or voicemail, and uh, uh, we're going to let it. I want to let this close out the show. And uh, as you listen to it, I would just uh, ask everybody, uh, take a moment and remember what really counts in life. So here's Jeff to take us out. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, guys. This is uh, Jeff. Screen name Slapster on the boards. Um, Just a quick note to say thanks. Um, A little background on a recent visit to the doctor's office. The doctor noticed a slight wheeze in my chest, and after an abnormal x-ray, I got a CT scan. Um, The results did not look good. Um, While I didn't understand many of the huge words that were on the report, uh, neoplasm, metastatic, adenopathy, um, a, a quick Google search scared the hell out of me. Most of these terms have to do with cancer. So more tests were scheduled, scans and biopsies, surgery. Um, Of course, I wanted them done right away, but uh, that certainly was not realistic. As the hours and days turned into weeks, the anxiety increased. You know, what would be the outcome? Was it, in fact, cancer? Uh, Was a 40-year-old non-smoker now destined to endure treatments and chemo and radiation and possibly even having to leave my teenage kids and wife 
of dying a quick or even worse, a long and painful death. So when the hours in the waiting room became too much for my idle mind, I'd pop on the podcast, and without exception, my spirits lifted, and I was transported to that magical place. I'd laugh along with John when Teresa would talk about the big ball at Epcot. Uh, I'd salivate when Kevin would launch into one of his restaurant reviews. I'd chuckle when Pete would rail against the cleaning lady. I'd giggle when baby Ferris would coo and babble. I'd take mental notes when Kathy would give one of her invaluable park tips. Uh, In short, I was at Disney while you talked, not sitting in a waiting room or lying on a cold table or getting poked with another needle. So, yeah, I guess on the surface it seems that you all get together and basically talk. You discuss Disney, restaurants, the cleaning lady, parking, weather, the parks, events, food, reservations, and all the other stuff that makes up a Disney vacation. But I'm here to tell you that uh, this is not all you do. Your words provide comfort, and they provide escape, and in some cases, such as mine, they provide hope. Hearing about that magical place that we all love, Disney World, discussed, debated, and sometimes even trashed, it transported me to that place of dreamlike wonder and took my mind, if only for a while, off of the dread and the anxiety and the fear. Never, ever trivialize what you guys are doing with this podcast. Never, ever think that all you're doing is talking, and about a cartoon mouse for that matter. What you're doing provides people with a chance to be taken away from their day-to-day lives and think about that wonderful place where so many memories exist for us uh, and it's a place where hope never dies. Eventually, I got deliriously good news. My tumors were not, in fact, cancer, as previously thought. So, for now at least, I get to skip all the pain, uh, anxiety, and fear that so many cancer patients and survivors go through every day. I get to plan another trip to Disney. I get to think and discuss with my wife what restaurants we'll eat at. I get to ask my kids, what's the first ride they'll go on when we get there? I get to look at all the past trip pictures again and again and again and giggle at the memories. I get to live. And I still get to hear you guys every week, weaving a blanket of laughter, fun, and hope out of your words. Thanks again for all you do.